Welcome to the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan source for all things Idaho athletics. Now, here is your host, Chris Keene. Welcome into the Vandal Insider Podcast, and boy, do we have a special episode coming up. What a guest we have, Mark Schlereth joining us, and not only do we have Vandal Hall of Famer, an outstanding Vandal player, 12-year NFL vet, three-time Super Bowl champion, and longtime NFL broadcaster from ESPN. You can catch him on Sundays doing games for Fox. He's joining us, but we have Coach Eck in on the interview as well, so Mark Schlereth, Jason Eck talking about a little bit of everything as these two guys have chatted before, but they hit a chat a little more and you get to kind of listen in on their conversation. Uh, we'll talk to Mark Schlereth about playing in front of a packed Kibbe Dome, his memories of going up against Montana as this is homecoming week, uh, how close he still is with his Vandal teammates. We'll hear Coach Eck describe uh, what a great ambassador that Mark Schlereth is uh, for the University of Idaho. And even there's a lot of really good stuff in here, but uh, it stands out about uh, after the Vandals beat Eastern Washington, a little smack talk that Mark Schlereth had after that. But we'd like to first give a huge thank you to our presenting sponsor, of the Vandal Insider Podcast, Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. is the Vandal's team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Well, the Vandals taking care of business. The Vandal football team on Saturday, sunny day on the central coast of California, getting the 42-14 to victory over Cal Poly. The team now 3-0 in the big sky, 5-1 and on the season. As we welcome in, we always do, Chris Hammond from the Vandal Scholarship Fund joining us. Chris, another week, another good result for the Vandals, and a lopsided road victory. Uh, that's always a good thing when you can go on the road in conference play and get a decisive win like Idaho did. Exactly. And happy homecoming week to you, Chris. And the Cal Poly game was so incredible just because I feel like every week we come on here and we we're winning in a different way. I think we're finding way we're not one dimensional. You know, this week it was so balanced, including Hayden Hatton throwing a touchdown pass. So um, Jordan Dwyer, I guess, maybe was the big stat push with the two touchdown catches. But otherwise, I mean, he still had about the same amount of receptions as a lot of receivers. So it's just one of those where. As a Vandal fan, you look at it, and even though it was a not super close game, you see how much we were able to work on certain aspects. And as we talk about these games coming up here to close out the season, specifically Montana this week, we're going to talk about, like, if you're a Montana coaching staff, like, you know, what do you plan for? Do you plan for us to run the ball like we did against Eastern? Do you plan for us to pass the ball a bunch like we did against Lamar early on in the season? So, I mean, we're really making it a headache for people to game plan against us which is a great problem to have as a Vandal fan. Well, the number of weapons is really impressive for the Vandal offense. You, you Aiden had now two 
passing touchdowns this year is opposing teams have to be on their toes. It seems like at least once per game that uh, Luke Schleisner, offensive coordinator, Jason Eck, they've got something hooked up as far as a trick play to uh, to throw something the opposing team's way. Hayden had two passing touchdowns this year, and there's just so many weapons you have to account for. You talk about the running game. You've got Anthony Woods. You've got Nick Romano. All those weapons through the air. The Vandals did it in this last game. The uh, last couple without TJ Ivy, who's made an impact. But even then, Jake Cox gets a receiving touchdown. The tight end for the Vandals. You throw in the fact that you've got Hayden Hatton. You've got Jermaine Jackson. You've got Therese Trainer. We saw Jordan Dwyer statistically have his biggest game of the season, reeling in two touchdowns, and he caught that Hayden Hatton trick play touchdown catch which was a magnificent grab that he came away with when there was pass interference didn't matter he still made the grab and then not to look over Michael Graves as well those tight ends you've got uh, Alex Moore to, to throw in the mix and, and just uh, so many weapons that opposing teams have to account for is that was a, a beautiful day the Vandals had never played on the road against Cal Poly, and uh, I even got a chance to sneak over to the beach. It's only about 10 minutes away from where the Vandals were staying, maybe 15 minutes away from the stadium. It was gorgeous weather. It was hot. It was a little bit kind of like the Lamar game to open the season, but the Vandals wrapping up this stretch 5-1, and one, the first six games of the year, five out of six on the road. First time since 1978, the Vandals have played their first five out of six games on the road. And another little nugget with that as far as what this stretch means for this year, the Vandals, the only Division One team, FCS or FBS, to play five road games at this point, and the only team at the Division One level with four road wins. So that's how impressive this has been. Again, the only loss for the Vandals has been that road loss against Cal when the Vandals were able to take an early lead, and then Cal, I got the edge in the second half, but the Vandals were very much in that game. So here we are. We've got the little brown Stein on the line. The Vandals will be battling to keep it in Moscow. It is number three, Idaho. The Vandals stay at number three in the top 25 rankings. Montana also five and one. They're ranked 16th. Uh, we will, after the, the interview with Mark Schlereth and Jay Sinek, uh, Chris and I, you will come, we'll come back and we'll chat a little more about that upcoming game, but it is going to be a big one on Saturday. Can't wait to, to dive into that more. And for folks uh, just tuning in is, you know, just getting the, the podcast launched in August and uh, having a guest like Mark Schlereth, uh, we're going to be getting some, uh, some folks who maybe haven't listened since the very beginning, some great shows to go back and listen to in the archive. Our first interview is with Jason Eck and John Stiglmeyer, Coach Stig, the, the reigning national championship winning coach at the FCS level, uh, the longtime coach of South Dakota State. Coach Eck coached with him at South Dakota State, and we chat with those two guys. Episode 4 features Alex Pribble, if you want a uh, hoops preview. Uh, episode 6 features Carrie Amy, if you're getting that hoops preview about the men's and women's side. Episode 5 features the reunion of the 1998 Humanitarian Bowl team. So you can go back and listen to those in the archives. Find it at GoVandals.com slash VIP or listen on your favorite podcast platform. However you may be finding us, try to make it as easy as possible. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, shoot, tell your your Alexa just to play Vandal Insider Podcast and we'll pop up. Uh, we also have all of our coaches' shows, our Where Are They Now segments from the pregame show each week. They come on here as well. And Chris, before we get to our interview with Mark Schlereth and Jason Eck, Mark Schlereth, Vandal Hall of Famer. Uh, what a great representative he has been for the Vandals for so many years. 
and has so much success in a Vandal uniform, 85, 87, 88, winning Big Sky titles, uh, helping that 88 squad go all the way to the, uh, at the time, 1AA semifinals, earned second team All-American recognition. Uh, what a great representative he is, not only you know what he has done in the NFL, what he has done in his broadcasting career, but he wears his Vandal pride on his shirt. We're going to hear that in the interview coming up. I mean, if you're talking top ambassadors for Vandals nationally, it's easily Mark Schlereth. So the Vandal family is going to eat this interview up, Chris. Well, with that, let's get right to it. Here is our conversation with Vandal Hall of Famer Mark Schlereth and Jason Eck. Here is our chat with these two great Vandals. Mark, to start off with, you're a busy man. How's life? Life is life is great. Life is really good when the Vandals are winning. And uh, I've been having a blast. I was just telling Coach Eck. Uh, I, I shut down our meetings. So every Saturday night, we, we, you know, we'll, we'll travel around Friday. This is kind of my schedule. Friday, I'll get there. I'll roll out to practice of whatever home team I'm calling. Then I'll meet with the head coach. I'll meet with the quarterback. I'll meet with, you know, defensive coordinator. I'll meet with a defensive prominent player. I'll meet with, you know, just guys in general. Um, and then, you know, we'll go out Friday night dinner and then Saturday we'll do the same thing only with the visiting team at the hotel. And then we have a Saturday night meeting. We put all the stuff together. Here's our elements for the game that we want to try to get in. Here's what I'm thinking about, uh, you know, when I talk about how this how this team operates, what they need to do, all these kind of things. And at the end of that meeting, it's about a two-hour meeting, uh, I put on Vandal football. So uh, uh, I, I made everybody watch uh, us whip the snot out of Cal Poly on Saturday night, which was awesome. And, uh, yeah, a lot of Vandal pride, man. I've got a big text thread that uh, goes with all the Vandals, Jim and Jerry Medved, Pete Wilkins, uh, Steve Unger, myself, Eric Herdstrom, Greg Hale, um, all the guys that I'm still, Sid Booner, McKenna, all the guys that I'm still super connected with. Um, and uh, we have a big text thread, and, and uh, we we uh, talk smack about Vandal football on the weekend. So it's all good, man. It's been a great, it's been a great run. Coach, congratulations, and we're really uh, thank you for uh, bringing some pride back, man. And we're really proud of you, and we're really proud of the organization, and really proud of the Vandals. Appreciate that, Mark. And we, we got a we got a night game lined up for you, so you can do it again this weekend wherever you're at. Uh, Seven thirty <laughs> Pacific time might be a late night if you're on the East Coast this week, but uh, uh, good to get that exposure on ESPN too. It's the first time we've been on you know regular ESPN besides ESPN Plus in a long time, so uh, very excited to see the atmosphere there on uh, Saturday night. Great, well, Coach talks great. about the atmosphere, Mark, and uh, expected to be an absolutely packed Kibby Dome. What are the memories that come to your mind when you think about playing in front of a packed dome? I love it, man. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I was at a time in Idaho where, like Coach Eck is having, we had a ton of success and uh, a ton of pride in the way we played, the way we handle our business, and um, always, you know, always for the most part had a packed house in front of the Kibby Dome. So it's great memories. Um, still, you know, I, I, I had the good fortune of, of leaving Idaho and playing and starting for 12 years in the national football league and, and winning, you know, Super Bowls with, uh, three different times over the course of my career. Um, and none of the guys I play with, even though I love those guys and, and I have great connections with those guys, none of those guys are as close to me as I am with my Vandal teammates. And, um, you know, one of the coolest things and everybody I talk to that's involved in the NFL now. Um, I tell them about Vandal Weekend. So every, every once a year we get together, we've had a reunion now, I think it's 25 straight years where we get together and go to one of my buddy's cabins, um, whether it's Dan Booner McKenna, whether it's the Medved's cabin, 
um, and uh, or or Ray McKenna, um, who recently just passed away, as a matter of fact. So prayers out to Ray McKenna and the McKenna family. Um, just a very sad situation as he battled cancer for about a month and, and passed away, but a great vandal himself. But we were out there this summer at his place in Montana. And I, I tell you what, man, um, like it, it, we are so connected still to this day. And it, it goes right back to the same shuck and jive that we had when we were a bunch of 18 and 19 year old knuckleheads, uh, walking around campus. So. Um, it is, it is the tightest connection and, uh, it's Vandal Pride and, and we really love each other and, and take care of one another. And, uh, I tell you what, it's a, it's a great family to be a part of. I think it's neat. Like a couple, our last home game against Sac State, we had the 1998 team was back for a 25 year reunion, uh, from their team that won, won a bowl game. And just like you guys, I think you guys won three big sky championships when you were here. I, I tell the team that I said, we, I think we have a team capable of that and you always have a great connection with your teammates but I, I think it's even more special when you were part of a championship team because you have you even have more more connection and there's more reunions and more things where the team is honored and uh you know that's that's one of our goals as a team is try to be like a team uh you know it's kind of getting on the shoulders of things you guys have done in the past year at idaho and uh and be a championship team and get that pride back where we're you know at the top of the big sky conference yeah. And that's, I mean, that's so exciting. And it is, it's, it's so cool to be honored and to be able to come back and to do those things, um, with the university. And, and obviously if you have that kind of success, it builds that kind of camaraderie, it builds that kind of, um, connected connectivity. And, and, you know, I think one of the coolest things, um, for me about being involved in sports and, and this goes all the way back to my Idaho days with winning championships at Idaho and, and, you know, going into the national football league and doing, uh, the things we did there as a team is I think one of the coolest things for me is there's very few places in life where you celebrate somebody else's success. Like it's your own, it's raising kids and it's being part of a great team. And when you have that kind of attitude, when nobody cares who gets the credit that everybody's going to sacrifice for one another and everybody rallies around and celebrates each other's successes, like it's their own. And they're truly deep down at, at the, the core of their being excited about what somebody else accomplished. And that's a, that's a special, special thing. And like I said, the only two places in my life I've ever experienced it is raising my kids and then playing football um, and being part of a team sport. So when you build that kind of atmosphere and we talk about culture all the time and culture is a really funny thing, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, um, you can, you can talk about it, but it's got to be practiced and it's got to be lived and it's got to be, you know, it's not static. It is alive. It is moving constantly and it's got to be worked on and it's got to be preached and it's got to be lived by example on a day-to-day basis. And if it's not, it's fleeting. And so it's one of those things about building a football team, building a culture, building an organization, building, you know, a community and a campus, um, that, that culture becomes so important to have the right people um, and, and have guys that are sold out for one another. And, you know, I always used to tell my son when he was coming up before he became a major league pitcher was um, talents wasted on talented people, right? I want people that are willing. I want people that will go to work, right? I want, hey, man, every, everybody, everybody wants and desires, but how many people are willing to go to work and grind and sacrifice for it? And that's the kind of guys that I want to be around. It's got the guys I want to separate or, or, or surround myself around. 
And uh, that was always the kind of guys we had at the University of Idaho. Hey, the coaches didn't have to run people off. We'd run people off. If you weren't, if you weren't part of the program, then no, nah. yeah, I mean, that's how we operated. So it was really, um, it was really a great experience and one that served me, has served me my whole life um, through team sports and, and doing what I do now on television and radio. Do you remember any of those Montana matchups at all? Uh, how, do you remember what your record was against those guys or how, any of those games stand uh, out playing for the Brownstein back in the day? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, the, the games that mattered, we kicked their ass. So that's what I remember most of all. Um, I remember going up there in 1988 and uh, losing a game. I think it was on a, a like a 98-yard pick six or something of that nature. We ended up losing a game. Um it might have been the first year, 1988, where, where the new stadium was open. I think it was Washington Stadium. It was beautiful. And um, and knowing, you know, it's it's funny. Sometimes you get in those situations, Eck, where you know you're a better team. Like, you know you're a better team. And you know, like, you just didn't execute. A couple things didn't go your way. But you know you walked away from that game. And we became the number one team in the nation. Then we had some injuries late. Ended up losing, um, I think, in the national semifinals. But we met Montana back in Idaho for the first round of the playoffs and uh, put a thumping on them. And, and you know, it was one of those things, even when you lose a game on the road in a hostile environment, sometimes you walk away going, you know what, that we did that to ourselves. And we'll learn from that one, but we're a better team. Like, like you walk away. I just remember walking away from Montana with a loss going, we're better than them. Like, we're a really good team because they were a good team. And – um and sometimes those those games, I know there's no such thing as a moral victory, but sometimes you can take some uh, you could take something out of those and, and really kind of springboard to uh, great things. And and that was one thing that Montana did for us in '88. We came back, like I said, and beat them up in the playoffs. We tried to do that with our Cal game this year. You know, we had we had a 17 nothing lead on Cal yeah. in the second quarter, and uh, you know, just when the adversity started to hit and and the, and the momentum swung against us, I didn't think we you know, reacted great and didn't respond really mm-hmm. well because we still had the lead at halftime, but, you know, the locker room didn't feel, you know, usually you should be real right. happy. You got to lead on a power five team at halftime at an FCS school. But uh, that was kind of my message to the team after that game is, hey, we got to be, we got to invest now and, and become a better team for losing this game than we would have been if we had won it. Because sometimes when you win, you know, stuff can get swept under the uh, carpet sure. and you, and you got you to learn from those losses as well. Yeah, it's easier to coach uh, on a loss sometimes than it is when you're on a run. I, you know, and I had a couple of uh, experiences in the NFL where I started a season 11 and 0 for the Washington Redskins, started another season in the NFL 13 and 0 with the Denver Broncos, and uh, you know, it, it's easy to sweep a few things under the rug and go, "Oh, hey, we can't have that holding call or that offsides penalty." You know, that's going to hurt us at some point, and everybody kind of laughs and go, "Oh yeah, coach, that won't happen." <laughs> Until it happens and you get your butts handed to you and you go, all right, time to tighten down the screws a little bit. So sometimes uh, those tough losses are the best coaching moments and the best learning experiences for your team. And I'm curious, Coach, we've got Mark here who's not only a great Vandal, but what an ambassador for the program, everything he's done as a player, a Super Bowl champion, and now decades and decades as a broadcaster. What does that mean for the program to have someone like Mark out there representing the University of Idaho? Well, it's awesome because he's you know he's still spreading the gospel of, uh, of Vandal football. He's talking about it with the people he's interacting with. Uh... You know, he had a little shout out for uh, Caden being from uh, Idaho during the game. And, you know, what are you doing for the Vandal Scholarship Fund with his cameo calls? You know, I, I think his uh, his involvement, his connection, 
uh, is special because you don't always have that. Some guy, times guys go on to the NFL and have great careers and get uh, detached from the university. So I think it's really special that uh, uh, Marcus kept such a strong connection to the Vandals. A quick timeout from our conversation with Mark Schlereth and Jason Eck to remind you that the Vandal Insider Podcast is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not caring for the Vandals, his team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region. At Inland Orthopedics, our team is your team. Now back to our conversation with Mark Schlereth and Jason Eck. And Mark, you mentioned Caden Ellis. You got to catch up with Caden. You did one of the Falcons games earlier this year, and you tweeted out a photo with him. What was it like being able to visit with him for a little bit? It was great. You know, I played against his father a couple times, and his dad was an absolute beast. Uh, He's like one of the very few guys. There's only a few guys that during the course of my career, even as I got older and banged up, that I couldn't take off the ball. I could always take guys off the ball. I always had a great, you know, drive block, great run block. Um, but he was like running into a fire hydrant. And, uh, and so we laughed about that. Luther was a tremendous player. Uh, we played them when he was with Detroit up in, uh, at the Pontiac Silverdome up, I think it was Christmas Eve. And, uh, uh, we won that game, but I had my hands full. There was no question about that. So we reminisced about that a little bit and, uh, just fun, just fun to see him and, and his career path. And he's just become, you know, a guy from a backup player at, at uh, New Orleans that did a lot of special teams, and he just kept grinding, kept working, and he has really become an outstanding middle linebacker, and he's really playing good football for the Atlanta Falcons. So it's always fun um, to see, you know, to see my uh, my Vandal brethren. I keep in contact with Eric Yarber, who's a wide receiver coach with the Rams, and as soon as uh, we beat, as soon as we beat. Uh, as soon as we beat Eastern Washington, I texted Yarbs and told uh, told him to tell Cooper Cup to to suck it. Um, you know, so it's you know it's it is it's what we do, right? That's what you know. You know, you're you like I always say, hey man, if you're not flipping me grief, we're not good friends, right? So it's it's we still are on each other constantly, but it's the way we show love and um, and so I keep in contact with Yarbs. I just keep in contact with all the Idaho guys. And I truly root for the FCS players, you know, that I run by anytime I get a chance to hunker down with an FCS player and, and, uh, and talk to those guys and encourage those guys or, um, you know, just give them some love for how good they are and what they've been able to accomplish at the next level. Um, I love that. I love that because it's good football. And oftentimes, as I always told, um, the powers that be even before Eck got there. Um, to Idaho is that, hey, man, you may not get always, you know, you may get the late bloomer athlete. You may not always get um, the, you know, the five-star kind of athlete. Um, but as long as you get great football players, man, and get guys that are committed and guys that really understand the game, um, you can be really, really good football team. And that's kind of how I always think about University of Idaho and the guys I played with, maybe a little bit undersized, maybe not quite the, you know, the 40 that – uh the uh the power five guys get but man i tell you what we had great football players i mean great football players and so um you know you can hang your hat on you can win a lot of games if you just have smart really good football players no question no question it's it's fun to see just the success you know how many guys have come from the big guy or fcs and and done well whether it's uh you know guys like yarber getting into coaching or guys playing 
Um, you know, I, I, I track those guys. I think it's a special, uh, you know, a special thing when guys, you know, the underdog stories that come up and end up having great careers. You know, when I was at South Dakota State, Dallas Goddard was a great story. He was a walk-on from a real small town in South Dakota. He turns himself into a second-round draft pick, and, you know, he had a great game last weekend for the Eagles. One of, hey, by the way, one of the best tight ends in the football that nobody talks about. Dallas Goddard is a football player in Jesse now. So another, another great one from a small school. So yeah, I, I got, I love those stories and I love to see those guys have success. And I love the fact that, you know, you're, 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 you're continuing that tradition of, of guys that are going to play well and play smart and get an opportunity. And Mark, uh, while we still have you here for a couple more minutes, uh, what's your message? And you've touched on so much. This has been so fantastic. The Vandal fans about kind of enjoying this ride here. This has been a great resurgence of Vandal football lately. There's the Montana game coming up. It's homecoming, trying to keep that little brown stein here in Moscow. Uh, after that, it's going to be a big game against Montana State. And it it feels like th- this is the, the start of something here, that this has been a really fun time for yeah. Vandal football. Uh, what's your message to Vandal fans about uh, enjoying this? Yeah, well, one, just enjoy it because um, winning winning takes great dedication. And so enjoy the fact that you have a coach, that you have a coaching staff, and that you have a lot of players and administrators and, and a lot of people uh, within the organization that are committed to winning. And um, I, I've got to tell you, that doesn't happen everywhere. It, it doesn't. That commitment doesn't happen. It starts from the top. You have to have administrators. You have to have a president. You have to have um, ADs that are committed um, to doing what it takes to to be able to win football games and to be able to be competitive. And then you have to have, like I said, great coaches and, and great players that are committed and willing to sacrifice and do those things because it takes it takes a lot. It takes a lot of preparation. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of study. Um, and it takes a lot of commitment and working out and doing all those things and practice and everything else. And then um, for the fans, man, we feel you. I, I, I promise you, we feel you. And we feel your excitement. We feel your love. We feel your support. We feel all that stuff on the football field. And I don't think oftentimes you really recognize that until you walk away from it. You know, I, was, I, I when I retired from playing in the NFL, um, I was always so so myopic in my focus about what I had to do to be great and what I had to do to, to line up every Sunday and play with all the injuries and all the things that I had over the course of my career. Um and, you know, it was nothing for me to have a, you know, play a game on Sunday and have a knee surgery and elbow surgery on Monday morning and be right back on the field next Friday practicing, you know, the, the very, you know, four days later practicing. And, and you know, and I'd be laying in a hospital bed and then I'd be home rehab and I'd have packed in ice and I'd be doing all this stuff. And I never really paid attention to the support I got until you walk away from it and you realize what you put your family through and what you put your fans through and what you put your people through. And, um, and, you know, you, I think sometimes you, you, as a player, you're so, you know, focused on the task at hand or as a coach that you don't take the time to recognize how good people are to you and how great the community is and how great the Vandal fans are until it's over. And then you think back on it and go, man, we had what a run we had. And, the support we had, the support we had on the campus, the support we had from our student body and, you know, from like from the frats and the sororities and, and from the professors. And um, I mean, I had great like I just had a great experience at the University of Idaho, had great professors that were willing to help me out, you know, and uh, give me extra time or whatever I needed. And, and guys that, were, you know, a faculty was committed to us. 
um, not only getting education, but being able to play at the best of our ability. So everybody's involved in that. And, and I promise you, we feel it. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit of a step away before you can recognize it. When you're going through it, maybe you don't really notice it, but we recognize the love and the support that we get from Vandal fans. And so, um, I get every, I mean, I get every day on social media, Vandal fans reaching out to me that, Hey man, will you sign this helmet up? I send it to you. Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Send it away, man. I, I absolutely love it. Um, and I'm proud to be, uh, I'm proud to be a Vandal and, um, and I owe like, I owe a great, great, a great, great, a grat. Oh gosh. I can't even speak. Um, I owe a, a great debt of gratitude is what I'm trying to say to the University of Idaho because I'm a kid from Alaska that didn't have a home, that didn't have anybody that wanted him, that wanted to, you know, had nothing but a dream of playing in the National Football League from, from the time I was 12. And there was only one place that allowed me to do that. And that was the University of Idaho. And um, I owe the Idaho, the University of Idaho, I owe the Vandal fans a, a huge debt of gratitude. Um, I'm so appreciative of my time there. And like I said, my best friends in the world are vandals. Well, it's good to see not a lot has changed. You know, we, we got a great administration right now with uh, President Green and our uh, AD Terry Gallick have done a great job supporting us. And uh, just the community, the alumni, the town, the student body has really rallied around this team. And it's uh, it's exciting. We're almost a near sellout this week. And you know, I think back even my first game as head coach here against Drake, you know, last year we probably had about 6,000 people there. So to get uh, in, in just two years to get to where we're going to have a chance to sell out a game uh, has me excited. And, uh, again, we're just we're trying to do what you, you've done a long time ago, Mark, get this place going. So really appreciate yeah. you and everything you do for Idaho. Uh, it's a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure. Like I said, um, nothing but love for the University of Idaho. And uh, if you happen by the corner club, have one for me. I surely will. I <laughs> tip, will. Tip, tip, tip a glass for me. No better way to wrap things up. Coach Eck, Mark, you guys are very busy. We are so appreciative of your time. We owe you a debt of gratitude, Mark, for this. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. And just uh, we are very thankful for you taking this time to chat here today. Absolutely, Chris. You take care, Coach Eck. Uh, Go Vandals, baby. Go Vandals. How cool was that? Wow, Mark Schlereth, Jason Eck having this conversation. Such a fun way to bring you this week's episode of the Vandal Insider Podcast. Well, coming up, we're going to talk about that game Saturday for the Vandals welcoming Montana to town. Not only the battle for the Little Brown Stein, it is homecoming as well. Before we dive into that a little more with Chris Hammond, first a reminder that the Vandal Insider Podcast is proudly presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. As the Vandal's team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood cares for elite athletes, weekend warriors, and everyone in between. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Well, again, a huge thank you to Mark Schlereth and Coach Eck. Think about this. We're recording this uh, interview with them early in the week of homecoming. Mark Schlereth in between games. He is busy week in, week out, calling NFL games for Fox on top of his other broadcasting duties. He's got a ton on his plate. Uh, Jason Eck, busy getting ready for Montana. And both of those guys taking the time to talk. And Chris, 
I know something really cool, a way that uh, Mark has given back is through Cameo. So Mark Schlereth uh, just given back to the Vandals in so many different ways. Is uh, He has done this for a number of years now, but you can book an appearance with uh, Mark Schlereth, uh, have him do a Cameo appearance for you, make a video, and all the proceeds go back to the Vandals Scholarship Fund. Uh, how cool is that? A way that he has been given back to the Vandals. And if you haven't gotten on that already, uh, jump on that. I have a couple of buddies that use it for fantasy football every year. And uh, I think he does quite a little bit of business. And uh, as you touched on, all the proceeds he makes from Cameo come back to the Vandal Scholarship Fund. So this is his way to give back. He knows that he's the personality people will, you know, want to hear from. So it's cool that he takes that time. You always notice he's doing it at home or kind of in his off time. It's not, you know, it, he is volunteering his time. And man, some of the little quick little things he puts together are absolutely hilarious. I, if you haven't used them, I, I can't recommend it enough. Every single one of the ones I've seen he he's done is amazing. And he remembers some of them. One of my buddies said he's used them three years in a row now, and he literally can recall back to like the last year's preseason draft where he did a cameo and he'll make callbacks to it. So, I mean, he is he's worth the yearly investment, at least for your fantasy football league. But I'm sure some vandals out there can come up with fun, creative ways to also utilize Mark Schlereth on cameo. I love that. I hadn't originally thought about the fantasy football aspect of it, oh, but yeah. uh, you're getting your your draft ready when it comes to, you know, August or if you want to do a little uh, a little smack talk when it comes to fantasy football season, that'd be a great way uh, to use a uh, mark through cameo. And of course, uh, that benefiting the VSF is a great way to give back uh, to Vandal Athletics. And here we are. Well, we've got the game coming up and Chris, when this one came out on the schedule, obviously you knew this was going to be a major game that having Montana come to town, battle for the little Brownstein, huge implications. And you thought looking at how good these two teams could be, that this could be kind of a collision course between two top 25 teams with strong records. Well, that's been the case. The Vandals are five and one Montana, five and one, the Grizz ranks 16th. I know uh, for folks who haven't followed Montana's close this year, and this is by no way downplaying how good Montana is, but you know, I know there's been a little bit of angst there. One loss is against Northern Arizona, and, and that was an outcome that uh, I don't think uh, was one that the, the Grizz fans were hoping for, falling in Flagstaff. And NAU's proven to be uh, a yeah. pretty tough out this year, especially once conference plays rolled around. But this is going to be, I don't think this is a, you know, going out on a limb from Montana. This will be their toughest test of the year, but credit to them. They just went on the road and beat a top 25 team in UC Davis. So this is a Grizz team that comes in to Moscow, comes into the Dome this weekend with some momentum. You're 100% on. I mean, for a while there, the talk was that Montana was probably the worst, you know, 5-1, and 4-1, and one, depending on the week you're talking about, 3-1 and one team in the FCS. And, you know, they've been kind of wearing that badge and just uh, absorbing those punches from national media and people around the big sky. And here they are a couple of weeks later. And you're right. They just took down a top 20 uh, FCS stats team in UC Davis. Yes, they're missing their star running back. But, you know, everybody's hurt this time of year. So you can't really lean on excuses like that. But now, as you mentioned, NAU, since they've made that switch to they are a prosh quarterback, looks like a completely different NAU team, a team that we're I mean, I like our chances against him, but I'm not upset that we dodge him on the schedule this year. Uh, so, like, NAU has rapidly become not as bad of a loss as it did when it happened just a few short weeks ago, and that's the big sky to a T is every year there's a surprise team that comes out of nowhere. NAU seems to be that team that came out of nowhere three, four weeks into the season. Um, so the Montana Grizzlies look to be right back on the rails. Like you said, they're just outside the top 15, uh, looking like another 
frisky playoff team from the big sky, but we are going to be their toughest test. They they have struggled early against some teams um, not as good. And like you mentioned, they did beat UC Davis, but uh, they actually beat UC Davis by more than Eastern Washington did. They've kind of seemed to have leaned in on Clifton McDowell as their quarterback after they've had some controversy between him and uh, the transfer from Boise State, Sam Vidlack. Uh, but it seems like McDowell's a guy that gives them more – versatility and he also seems to be more of the running threat which as we saw against eastern washington is something our defense maybe wasn't ready for in that game um but if they you know it's something they got to be ready for in this game yeah clifton mendal seems to have emerged with the job transfer from central arkansas but this is the fourth school that he has spent time at but you talk about his dual threat ability and that has been on display as he has seemed to have kind of gotten the edge over sam vidlack as their quarterback, and with that, uh, some of their best success lately. So Montana comes to town, and uh, you know, even if this was a game that didn't feature two top twenty teams, two teams with five and one records, uh, there is the tradition, there is the rivalry. You know, in the greatest possible way, there's no love lost because you know when Idaho plays Montana and vice versa, they know this is a big game, and they know that they're going up against a program that's going to give them a, all they can and more. But you look back at the history of the little brown stein and it made its way back to Moscow after the Vandals last year had really kind of that signature win. The road victory early in the year over northern Arizona was a major win, defeating the Lumberjacks and Flagstaff. But that was another step forward in Jason X first year going on the road, beating Montana. So the Vandals took care of business last year brought the little brown stein back to the Palouse, and the hope is is that it is not leaving the dome, that it stays right in Moscow after Saturday. The little brown stein has been around since 1938. I remember laughing last year when Jason Eck talked about it on the coaches' show. There was a question of whether or not he drank out of the little brown stein. He said, well... You know, with this thing's age, uh, I don't know if it would uh, if it would hold any sort of liquid, or the liquid might make its way through it. So, uh, the little brown stein, as uh, historic as it is, uh, maybe more uh, ornate now as opposed to functional. But uh, it is a beautiful thing, and it's uh, a thing that the Vandals are going to be fighting tooth and nail to to keep in Moscow uh, after this week. I mean. I- how cool is it to have a trophy game? I mean, I know we have the trophy game with uh, Idaho State, the Battle of ICCU, Battle of the Domes, um, but that's a newer one. Doesn't you know we're building that history? We found the Chisco Cup. I'm still not sure if that's officially a trophy that will travel. I guess we'll have to see next time Easter beats us. But as you mentioned, like the little brown sign is old. It's very old. Um, it's just cool to have a, a trophy like that. In fact, it it probably. We need the big sky to fact check us on this. Otherwise, I'm going to claim it is true. It's probably the oldest traveling trophy in the big sky conference because I believe it predates the uh, the rivalry might not predate Montana, Montana State, but their big old uh, mountain trophy that they have to lift up. I don't think they had that back in the you know early days of that rivalry. So if you're talking a trophy that has made it through the decades. Little Brown Stein is that trophy. It's probably the most prestigious trophy in in the conference. And the fact that we get to be a part of it is super special. The fact that even in the years where Montana was kind of handling us pretty easily there when we made our return, um, you could tell the Montana players were excited to win this trophy. It was not something they took for granted. And uh, now that Idaho seems to be um, competitive in this game again, it's only elevated this trophy to a whole nother level. As you touched on, it's why early in the year ESPN pegged this as a game that they wanted to be at and they wanted to cover and they wanted to showcase to the rest of the nation. So uh, the fact that we get to have a, a traveling trophy game um, is is 
so cool. I mean, it predates anything we even have with Boise State. So I think the fans get it. I feel like I'm just preaching to the choir. The people that are listening to the VIP already know this, but uh, I just can't get over how cool it is. And I agree uh, with Coach Eck. If anyone's ever seen it, I know we've it's kind of done its rounds around the state. It was down here for the BSF Gala. Yeah, if you look inside of that, it's not holding liquid. So um, every time that, that question comes up, because I was first in my top of mind, too, when we won, it was, all right, who's drinking out of that thing? It, I don't think it's very solvable. <laughs> That's a good way, good way to put it. And again, just because Montana, again, they are five and one on the year. And I know the NAU loss sort of stood out and maybe their non-conference schedule. It's not an apples to apples comparison to the, the, the strength of the schedule that the Vandals played with all those games being on the road and two of them being against FBS opponents. This is a Montana team that is going to be loaded for bear that they are trying to you know, say, hey, we're five and one, but even though there might have been some questions about us a couple of weeks ago, if they escape Moscow with a victory, they are six and one with a major win over the Vandals and all sorts of momentum. So uh, they've got a, a ton that they could take away from this game. And it really just all makes for such an intriguing matchup on Saturday. The stakes are, are so high. The Vandals want to, of course, notch that victory, go into the bye week. And then, regardless of the outcome Saturday, it's going to be a huge matchup against Montana State on October 28th. And on that note, Chris, for folks who don't have their tickets, uh, snatch them up because I, I don't know uh, what the availability is left. I know it's very limited, the availability left. So get your hands on the tickets for Saturday. I know the best way to do that, just give the ticket office a call, 208-885-6466. And while you're at it, maybe even more important if you on Saturday's tickets is get your tickets for Montana State on October 28th. Get your tickets for Senior Day against Idaho State. Don't just get your Montana tickets. Don't just call about your Grizz tickets. Just scoop up tickets to the rest of the home games because I know how important it is to the team. We heard about it from Mark Schlereth earlier in the podcast of what having that kind of atmosphere at the Dome does. And I just can't wait to see the Dome rocking on Saturday and to have that atmosphere there and obviously to have that national spotlight to go with it. And if it's a good outcome for the Vandals, then boy, it just feels like things continue on a positive snowball effect and uh it is going to be great at the dome on saturday i just don't take for granted those kind of environments and atmospheres that make college football and vandal football so special and all signs point to saturday being one of those days you you're you're spot on if you, by recording of this i've not seen anything that said we are officially sold out so we can tell you right now, you can still call the ticket office and get maybe a handful of tickets, but uh, 208-885-6466, speed dial it now if, if you don't have tickets yet. I had people text me last night like, hey, so I saw that we're 95% sold out. What are my options to get some last-minute tickets? I'm like, you've got to call the ticket office bright and early in the morning. I mean, we don't have any sitting around. Uh, with that, you know, you touched on it's going to be a very electric atmosphere in the Dome. We need it for Montana State as well. Ticket sales look to be trending good online there as well. But Idaho State at the end of the year, Idaho State's looking frisky. We need everybody buying tickets for the last couple of games of the year. Um, but, you know, anyone that's at that first game, and for those of you that weren't there, with the success, it's more people interested um, with modern security procedures. I mean, just plan on getting in early. I know forever, I'm, I'm just as guilty as everybody else. You were able to walk up to the Kiwi Dome 10 minutes before kickoff, and be in the dome in five minutes. Um, it's just not going to be the case. Uh, you know, a, a game day is a, a total campus. Campus is involved. There's tons of campus partners. 
everybody is aware lines were long. There are things they're working on to do, but at the end of the day, we got four gates to get 16,000 people. And if everybody tries to do it in 20 minutes, we're, we're not going to have a full kickoff. I, I, all I can preach enough, you know, I went up 45 minutes early for SAC. I was able to wait after only one person. Uh, and we're expecting about, you know, five, 6,000, 7,000 more people at this game. So uh, just, I, I can't stress enough, try to get in there, start, start heading up, make your plan at an hour before, all right, we're going to start closing up the tailgate. We're going to throw our trash away at 45 minutes, get up there. And cause I mean, we need to be loud from, you know, kick to, to the end of the game. Cause this is on ESPN too. You got to remember this is, this is marketing for the university. We need people in the dome. The athletic department, the university, everybody knows we got to get people in. We got to speed it up. We got to find what we hear you. We're working on it, but we need a little bit of help from everybody just to try to to ease it. If you want to guarantee you're there for kick, just just try to get in early. That's that's what we'll stress, and we're working on the rest of it. And I can just add, you know, being up in the press box, being up in the radio booth, and talking to Coach Eck about this, it just makes such a big difference being at home. And these, uh, this team has done such a phenomenal job of being on the road, winning five out of six, and you know, having that schedule switch to put the team in a better position to make the playoffs or to to be a potential seed or to be as high of a seed as possible. And having these home games. And, you know, ideally, if things could go well, you know, there's more than just four home games if the Vandals get into the playoffs and and do really well in the regular season and then could have additional games at the Dome. But, you know, you just can't take this for granted. And having that crowd and that atmosphere from the opening kickoff, everyone in their seats and adding as much to that home field advantage as possible makes so much of a difference because this is going to be a tough test on Saturday. Anytime you go against a program like Montana, both teams really gunning for this win in the biggest way and what it could mean for the implications down the road for the playoffs when November rolls around. Heck, when December rolls around, what this could potentially mean. So every little ounce of that advantage that the Vandals could get into welcome this team back to the P1FCU Kibbe Dome after having only one game out of six on the road and give them that kind of big warm Vandal hug for being there and all the support because every little bit helps. And, uh, you know, I was on the um, the podcast that Montana has, Riley Corcoran, their broadcaster, uh, who does a phenomenal job. And he was asking kind of the Vandal perspective on this game. And what I kind of told him is, you know, with kind of some, you know, the zaniness of, of college sports right now at the, the power five level and what has happened and, you know, shoot, the Vandals played a game at Cal, you know, this year at, back in September and Cal's going to be in the ACC coming up, which I still can't wrap my mind around where, you know, when Idaho and Montana plays, there's a lot of history here. This is a game that just, you know, makes sense when the Vandals and the Grizz meet. And this uh, all signs point to this being another really fun chapter of this rivalry. So hopefully uh, it, it is going to be a great crowd. And again, all signs point to that. Uh, everyone is there from the opening kick to, to be full-throated and to just show off not only to uh, all the Vandals out there, but to just show off uh, on this national platform uh, what a special time this is on the Palouse and when it comes to the University of Idaho and Vandal football specifically. Yeah, I, I think you just touched on a point that I had totally sailed over my head. I was thinking so nearsighted, farsighted, nationally televised, right? The, this is the game that the playoff selection committee, you can almost guarantee everybody is watching. So, And then from television partners like ESPN, a handful of playoff games are televised from the first round all the way up to um, obviously the national title game being on ABC. So 
you know, that's one where they're going to look and be like, all right, we have the option to go to school C or, you know, Idaho had a really good attendance when we put them on ESPN too. So this is, you know, not just for the Montana game, win or loss. This is for um, future games, future years when ESPN tries to pick places to go. This is um, going to be important. I, I shared on my social media pictures of uh, the two games I can remember we last being sold out was 2009 against Colorado State and 2010 against Boise State at kick first quarter, 15 minutes on the board. And there's not an open seat in the place. And we just, we really need to replicate that. And I, I know it's fun out in the parking lot, but we just can't stress enough. Like you, you want to be in it kick and you're there for homecoming. It's a late game. You should have hopefully enough time to get all the fun in. And remember you're there to watch the Vandals, hopefully take down Montana and keep the Stein in Moscow. And, you know, we're on a mission teams on a mission. We need the fans on a mission. Let's, let's get in there, be loud and let's cause some false starts and keep this baby in Moscow. And what a great time of year it is here on the Palouse, just thinking of all the folks locally who, who will be at the game, but the folks who are coming from out of town. I can tell you that Moscow is showing off right now. The leaves are starting to change. The leaves are starting to fall. And this feels just like a kind of pristine fall weekend that we are going to have on tap. And to have such an important football game and to have this much of an anticipated game and all this positive momentum with the Vandal football program, I'm just kind of getting goosebumps thinking about it. So on that note, Chris, uh, we'll let you loose. Excited to see you this weekend. We appreciate everyone tuning in. And again, once again, a huge thank you to Mark Schlereth taking the time. And, you know, this is cool to have it before the Montana game, getting his thoughts on the Montana game. So just a little extra shot in the arm for Vandal fans to hear from one of the, the all-time great Vandals and one of the top ambassadors for Vandal football there is uh, to hear from him and get his thoughts and have to Coach Eck join us as well. So, Chris, we appreciate it. We'll see you this weekend. Can't wait for all the activities this weekend in Moscow. But before we go, I just want to remind Vandals out there, uh, it's October, which comes time for the Idaho Impact. I donate 100 in October. Uh, you get an exclusive gift. The only way to get it is to donate to this campaign. A lot of you might have saw the, the V's up ball caps in the Idaho script last year. That was a part of this campaign. Um, basically, it's if you ever thought about giving, if you haven't given, if you haven't given in a while, this is an easy entry level. We just want you to give $100 in October. Um, you get an opportunity to get a call out. You get an exclusive gift. Uh, our, thanks to the early 2000s volleyball team, we have a $32,000 match. So thank you to all of them. Uh, so we really need Vandal Nation to come up with that other 32000 so we can really help donate some money to the Vandal Scholarship Fund and really support these student athletes um, to give to that. You just go to you and I give dot you Idaho dot edu backslash Idaho 2023. That's you and I give dot you Idaho dot edu backslash Idaho 2023. Fantastic. And also one more thank you to our presenting sponsor of the Vandal Insider podcast. It is presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. When he's not caring for the Vandals, his team physician, orthopedic surgeon, Dr. Kyle Hazelwood, provides the same MVP orthopedic care to our entire region at Inland Orthopedics. Our team is your team. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. Can't wait to see everyone this weekend for homecoming. I'm Chris King signing off again. We appreciate you joining us. Peace up. 
This has been the Vandal Insider Podcast, presented by Inland Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine Clinic of Moscow and Pullman. Let the team that takes care of the Vandals take care of you. Get the latest information on University of Idaho athletics you won't find anywhere else with the Vandal Insider Podcast. From in-depth conversations to game previews, the Vandal Insider is every fan's source for all things Idaho athletics.